There's a phenomenon I noticed a lot when I was in the parish. It doesn't happen so much uh, with you all, college kids, but um, people who had been away from church for a long time or not been to confession in many, many years or felt somehow that they were far from God, um, I would meet them at block parties or in the, t- in the town somehow, and they knew I was the priest. And there was often a joke, something like, oh, Father, I would invite them, oh, we have Mass on Sunday, come on back, we always want, we always want you to come home. Oh, no, Father, I think I'd be struck by lightning if I walked in, into church. Or um, sometimes, like, in marriage prep or baptism prep, godparents or parents haven't been, or the couple hasn't been to church in a long time, and I'll, I'll say, um, you know, you should go to confession before the sacrament. And they're like, oh, I don't think you want to hear my confession, Father. You got three hours, you know? And there's like almost, they're proud in some ways uh, of the fact that they've sinned and that it's a big deal and I'd probably be really scandalized. Meanwhile, I'm always thinking like, I've heard confessions in jail. I, I don't, I doubt yours is going to be worse. But even if, if, even if it is, uh, it's like not that special. When I hear that light, God's going to strike me with lightning if I walk in the church, I'm like, why would he bother with you? Like, there's, we're all sinners. <laughs> if he wanted to strike sinners with lightning for walking into church, we'd all be toast. Right? So it's a certain pride dressed up as humility. But we fall victim to it, sometimes in, in big ways like that. But all of us have this sense that our sin is somehow too big for God, or there's something we can't bring to the, to the Lord. And in the Old Testament, that was definitely true. Sin and uncleanness was something that people were very preoccupied with because it was contagious. Sin is a disease that we kind of give to each other through propagation, through imitation, that on our own, we, we have to kind of like guard ourselves from this or, or guard other people if we have some impurity. And so the Old Testament is full of these Rituals and, and rules, like in Leviticus, the first reading, that lepers, this, this uncleanness that's so visible, a physical disease, um, the lepers were excommunicated. They weren't allowed in the liturgical life. They weren't allowed in the temple. They weren't allowed even in regular mixed company with their families. They had to live in colonies and shout, unclean, unclean, so that no one would touch them, which is kind of metaphorical for the whole situation of sin, that we, we kind of need to partition away certain elements of our life so that, so that they don't contaminate. And, and our, our uncleanness is somehow incurable. And like this virus, we just quarantine. We just kind of, we have nothing to do to cure it. So we just try to stop its spread. But in the New Testament, in Jesus, we see, and it's interesting we juxtapose this first reading with this gospel because everybody reading this gospel in the first century or anybody hearing this story as an eyewitness, like when the leper is cleansed and he tells everybody what happened, nobody would have missed the fact that Jesus is explicitly breaking the rules. He shouldn't have touched him. The leper shouldn't have even been close to him, much less kneeling down and saying, Lord, if you will, you could make me clean. But why is Jesus breaking the rules? Not because the rules were wrong, and like, let's just get rid of these dumb rules. It's that there's something new happening in him. There's something totally different now, what we call the gospel, is that God has come in person, in the flesh, and we can't make him unclean. He is purity itself. He is wholeness itself. And by touching him, we don't give him our disease. He gives us his fullness, his health, his wholeness. 
And so this pride of saying like, oh, I can't, I can't go to God because of my sin or it's too late for me is to deny the gospel, is to put Jesus back up there. He never came down here. He never gave us the sacraments. He never gave us the church to heal us and to continue his saving mission. And in fact, it's in the gospels we see that Jesus often meets people precisely in their shame in their impurity, in their uncleanness. Think of the woman at the well in John, where he, he meets her at this well, which is kind of an occasion of, like, a, a manifestation of her shame. She has to go there at noontime because uh, no one will be around her because she's an adulterer. And he, he asks her specifically, go, go get your husband. And that's exactly her wound, is that she's had seven husbands and she's, she's looked for love in all the wrong places. But he goes right to the heart of her shame, and that's how she knows that he's the one he says he is, that he's the one to give her the living waters that will well up to eternal life. And she goes and tells all her friends, I've met somebody that's told me everything I've ever done, and that's good, because he has the ability to heal it. Or Matthew at his tax post, he's the tax collector, and it's exactly where Jesus calls him in this uh, shameful profession that he has where he exploits his own people and extorts them for his own selfish gain. Jesus meets him at the tax post and says, Matthew, come and follow me. And Matthew comes, not in spite of the fact that he's a tax collector, but maybe because Jesus comes right to that. Or think of the charcoal fire in John. You know, Peter, during the crucifixion, was warming his hands around a charcoal fire when three people asked him, aren't you a Galilean? Don't you know this Jesus? Weren't you one of his disciples? And he denies him three times. And where does Jesus meet him on the shore of the Sea of Galilee? is by a charcoal fire after he, he's been fishing and Peter jumps out of the boat and comes. Here is this haunting memory. The fact that he betrayed Jesus. He, he, he turned away when he needed him the most. And Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter is able to undo that shame. That's the good news, friends, is that God has come to heal us. And any part of us, any portion of our hearts that we hold back because we think, nah, he can't, he can't do that. He can't make that clean. I need, to, I need to prep that before I go to Jesus, is a lie. It's to, it's to go backwards. It's to rewind the tape to before the Paschal Mystery, to before the good news of Jesus. So don't fall for this lie. True confidence comes from humility, the kind of confidence that makes the leper go to him, says, if you will, you can make me clean. If you want to, Lord, I trust that this leprosy is not too much for you. I sit in the confessional half hour before every Mass, and may, I don't know if this year we've had a line, but I've always had more time uh, not listening to confessions than hearing confessions. And that's nothing, it's a COVID year, not a lot of people on campus, but all that, that is to say is that as Lent is coming up, I've got plenty of time. Right? And if, if the Lord is calling you to bring something to him that you've held back, or you think he can't heal, Come to him. Don't be afraid. Have the kind of humble confidence that the leper has or that we have before we dare to receive communion, dare to receive the Lord Jesus, who could judge us if he wanted to. He could cast us all out for what we've done, but instead invites us into the banquet of the Lamb. And we say, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and I shall be healed.